Well, thank you, Joe, so much for those words. And Orangewood, it is such a good uh, opportunity to be with you today. What a privilege it has been and is to serve you, to know you. I love you. You got under my skin. Um, and uh, I've always been thankful for how you sent us out to plant a church and supported us. Joe and I started out in uh, uh, a trailer out on the other property together, sharing an office, and we've been friends for a long time. I love you, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to continue to minister with you in this great city that God has called us to. So thank you very much. Um, what a privilege it is today to look with you into God's holy word and a subject that is so powerful and so important for us. Uh, and, and we're going to be talking about my assignment today is to talk about the healing of anger. And uh, I appre appreciate the opportunity to do that with you all today. And so before we do that, before we look into God's holy word, let's bow our heads and our hearts in prayer. Our great God, we do come into your presence today. So thankful that we belong to you as your children how thankful we are that you have called us uh, into a relationship with yourself. How thankful we are that you are a God who is gracious and kind and merciful and measured. Your patience toward us is, is so, so clear. And so, Father, we come into your presence. Lord Jesus, we honor you as our, our Redeemer, as our Lord, as our Savior. And Holy Spirit, we honor you as the one who's brought the, the work of redemption into our hearts that connects us with the God of the universe. And so we pray now as we look into your word, Lord, that you would teach us. But Lord, I pray for Orangewood. I'm so thankful for this church, for the ministry that it's had for so many years as well now, the staff, and for Pastor Tyler. Thank you so much for bringing this staff together, for how they work together so well. Our elders, our deacons, our servants, but thank you that you have brought our new pastor and pray that you would bless him in every way and that you would use him in our lives to take us in the direction to which you've called us for the future. And now we pray that you would open our minds to your truth. We pray for the one who teaches that you would forgive him his sins and use one who is finite to communicate your infinite truth. For we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning's subject on anger is uh, something, quite frankly, I'm an expert at. <laughs> I want you to know that I was raised uh, in an environment where there's a great deal of anger. I understand anger. I was raised around anger. I became angry, and I, I think I started moving away uh, from anger early in my uh, high school time. Uh, but the reality is, all of us, as we think about it, all of us are experts on the subject of anger. Uh, in this worship service, we've had a great focus upon it. And what Ashley taught us was so important as well. But all of us really are experienced in the area of anger. Every one of us has been angry. Every one of us has been angry at someone else. Every one of us has experienced uh, the debilitating effects of anger in our own lives. And, 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 and we know, every one of us knows how important it is that we deal with anger. It was said of one man one time, he said he, was, uh, owned, he owned and operated a ferocious anger. And that is so true for some of us. 
Some of us own and operate a ferocious temper, and we know it's not right, but it seems like it's very difficult to get away with. I love what Martin Luther once said. He said in his characteristic honesty, he said, when I am angry, I can write, pray, and preach well, for then my whole temperament is quickened, my understanding sharpened, and all mundane vexations and temptations depart. <laughs> well said. And if you've ever read any of Martin Luther, you know that he was often angry, but he was a deep man, and he understood that there is a righteous indignation, and that we, we as Christians are called to hate sin and hate evil, and in a sense, that energizes us in powerful ways. But there is a debilitating, negative, dysfunctional sinful anger that simply has to be dealt with. And that's what we're, we're going to be talking about today. So what I want to do is talk about the truth of anger and then go into some of the verses on anger that the book of Proverbs talks about. And then I want to wrap it up by talking about the healing of anger. So that's where we want to move this morning. By the way, I love the title of this series, Wise Versus Lies. Our culture teaches us lies so often and we need to go to the Word of God to get truth. Well, first of all then, let's talk about the truth about anger. Anger is a mental and emotional and, shall we say, a transactional uh, part of every human being. It's 100%. Every one of us experiences that. And when I say it's mental, emotional, and transactional, what I'm saying that anger has worked its way deep into our souls. It affects the way we think. It affects the way we emote and feel. And then it also affects the things we do, the, the transactions, the actions that we take with other people. And so I know that this is 100% uh, of us, and I want to give you three reasons why I know anger is 100%. First of all, I know that anger is 100% for all of us because we're all hurt people. We're all hurt people. And the reality is, is that we have been hurt by other people, and that hurt continues to compile in our lives. Uh, many people don't understand that what actually energizes their anger is their hurt. And it's a, it's a change in a person's life when he comes to understand that hurt is really the energizing force of so much of their anger. Um, and, and, and anger is cumulative, like so much of life. Anger uh, becomes additional, and then it becomes multiplicative, and then it becomes exponential in our lives. Life is cumulative so that it's very possible as we get older that we become angrier and crankier and more difficult to be around. I've, I've talked about that meme here before, uh, that meme that says, I never thought I'd become a grumpy old man, but here I am crushing it. <laughs> and so those of us who are older have to understand that life is cumulative, and unless we deal with the anger that builds up in our hearts, uh, we'll become grumpy, angry, cynical, old people, and nobody wants to be around someone like that. My friend John Williams makes the point that, that anger so often destroys the freedom, and we sang about that today, that anger destroys the freedom that we have in Christ. 
David Blount, another friend of mine, uh, pointed me to Psalm 32.8 that says that when we involve ourselves in evil, all it uh, anger, it, all it leads to is evil. And so we're called to abandon that. So all of us have been hurt. I think the turning point in many people's lives to deal with their anger is to understand that hurt is what generates so much of our anger toward life and toward other people. Second of all, I know that anger is 100%, not only because we're hurt people, but because we're all temperamental people. And by that, I mean that all of us have a temperament given by God, that we're created differently. And uh, you may be followers of the Enneagram and love the nine uh, ways that the Enneagram deals with our temperament and our structure, the way God wired us uh, to, to relate and how sin has affected that. And, and the Enneagram points out that you could be a resourceful or a less resourceful, a more productive or a less productive number three or number eight or number nine, whatever you happen to be. I follow the old uh, temperamental structure of choleric, melancholy, phlegmatic, and sanguine, the lion, the otter, the golden retriever, and the beaver. And I, I like that a, a, a little bit more, but it, but it teaches the same basic thing, that you can be a spirit-controlled lion, otter, uh, golden retriever, or, or beaver, or an unspirit-controlled one, because all temperaments get angry. And different temperaments use their anger and express their anger in different ways. And it's very important. I love the fact that we're different, but we've got to understand our anger temper that comes from our temperaments. And some of you are lions and you're loud. And uh, it, it, when you're angry, everybody knows about it. And some of you are more playful and manipulative in your anger. But every temperament has a style of reflecting their anger that can be very, very hurtful and dysfunctional for them and for other people. And so we're hurt people, therefore uh, we're angry. We, we are temperamental people, and so we get angry. Notice how sin affects our temperament. But also, we're all fallen people. And so as fallen people, we all get angry. There's a lot of talk today about uh, systemic this or systemic that. I was asked the other day, uh, do you believe in the systemic race, the racism theory? And I, I said, well, let me ask you a question first. <clears throat> I said, do you believe in systemic sin? And they got a look on their face. I, yeah, do you believe in systemic sin? And they said, well, what do you mean? I mean, every person is a sinner, a fallen creature, and has the tendency to do, to do bad and to sin in many ways. Racism is one of those ways, but anger, and, and, and there are many other ways that we reflect sin. Do you believe in systemic sin? And that's the thing that we ought to bring up. Racism is horrible, but sin manifests itself in so many ways, and anger uh, is, is one of those ways. The Bible says all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. We're born sinners, and so we think, emote, and act in sinful ways. That's why in the gospel, Colossians 3.8 is so helpful. It says, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Notice those are all tied together. Anger, wrath, malice, active ill will, slander, abusive speech. It's all tied tied to that sin 
and that sinful tendency of anger. So we're all, we're all involved in this anger discussion. Anger comes from everywhere. Uh, there's anger in childhood, anger in adulthood, anger in marriage. There's anger at work. There's anger at church. And, uh, and it stems from so many sources. If you've been abused, you're angry. Uh, if you've been neglected, you're angry. If, if you've had unfulfilled and unmet expectations, you can be very angry. Uh, when we compare ourselves with others, we get angry. When failure, personal attacks, criticism, weakness, sliding, unrecognition for what we've accomplished. Ah, there's so many sources of anger. As Dennis Prager says in his book, uh, happiness is a serious problem. <laughs> Why? Because there's so little of it in America today, in a country where it ought to be seen more and more. There's very, have you noticed there's very little contentment in our culture? I'm reading a great book right now. It's called Fortitude by Representative Dan Crenshaw, the, the one-eyed Navy SEAL uh, from Texas. And I'm really enjoying the book. Parents, be careful. It's got some words in it. You maybe don't want your kids to read, but it's very helpful. Crenshaw talks about the outrage culture that we live in today. And he makes the point that it seems like our heroes in America, the, the heroes that our press puts forward and so many other people put forward, are, are those who are yelling the loudest, who are the most outraged, the most angry, and that we're making the angry people are heroes, whereas that was not the case in the past. Uh, the chief of police of Maitland is a friend of mine. He's my neighbor and a uh, great guy. I love him a lot. And, uh, but, you know, every day when he drives home, he gets obscene gestures from people right along from here uh, to where he lives out uh, in another city. It's absolutely amazing the anger that exists out there. Students, I want to talk to you for a second. Because you have such an opportunity. And Orangewood's graduation was yesterday. What a privilege uh, for Orangewood Christian School to, to have a ministry in this city. And, and, and their graduation took place yesterday. You guys, you students in training, you students that are graduating, moving on. What an opportunity you have to make a difference in a culture that is getting angrier and angrier and angrier by becoming people of grace and mercy and thoughtfulness and depth, you have an opportunity to serve and make a difference as Christ followers in a big way. Well, let's go to Proverbs and take a look at some of the things that Proverbs teaches us about wisdom, things we ought to know. If anger is so prevalent, then what does Proverbs have to teach us about wisdom? Let's look at that uh, secondly. Wisdom from anger, uh, about anger from Proverbs. And I have several verses for you. So Proverbs 14, 29 is one of them. The first one is this. I love this. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Ah, Proverbs gives us wisdom. Wisdom is skill in living. When we, when, we, when we build the wisdom of Proverbs into our life, we're getting skillful in our relationships, in relating to God, in relating to other people. And this gives us some incredible skill. God wants to, by the way, God wants to build great people. Do you notice that? He wants to build wise people, successful people, great people as he defines 
greatness. And one of them is to understand that he was slow to anger, has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. The one who is slow to anger understands that when issues come up, there, there are questions that ought to be asked about those issues that come up, that irritate us, that anger us, that frustrate us. We ought to be asking more questions. Why is this so? Why did that happen? What caused this? As we, as we think deeper about an issue, it assuages our anger. It helps us to understand the facts behind a case. It shows that you have great understanding if you slow down on your anger because you've done your research. You've done the question asking and, and uh, interviewing that needs to take place. On the other hand, he's quick-tempered, exalts folly. Uh, I think of this idea of being quick-tempered as uh, an old phrase we used to use, uh, flying off the handle, flying off the handle. And I think uh, that, that comes from the idea of, of an ax head on an ax handle, that if it's not fully secured and you're swinging the ax and that ax head comes off, you fly off the, it flies off the handle, that somebody is going to be hurt in a big way. You exalt folly, you praise folly when you have a hair-triggered temperament and your anger is so close to the surface. And then Proverbs uh, 20, oh, excuse me, and then Proverbs uh, 15.1 makes a great point when it says this, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. What's important for us to figure out and understand, going back to temperament, is what kind of a temperament do I have? Do I have a extroverted, harsh, lion temperament? And so, and so my, my anger comes out. I don't have a gentle answer that turns away wrath. My, my responses are harsh. Maybe you have a more mild temperament, and thank God for you. I've always needed those people around me. Uh, they help me so much to understand how a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so we see that we, we are all emotional at some level. And so we have to learn as we interact with people, the wisdom of Proverbs is that we have to learn to control our emotions and allow God to control our emotions so that when we, when we have people say things to us, our answers back are more controlled. We need that in marriage. We need that in parenting with our kids. We need that at work. We need it everywhere. By the way, parents, if kids are not taught this by the parents, they will not be able to transfer that into other relationships uh, out in the real world. We prepare our kids to deal with the real world by modeling for them how uh, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Think deeply. Think about what our knee-jerk reactions are is what this is talking about. Proverbs 16.32 he who is slow to anger, catch this, is better than the mighty. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. I love that. You want to know what true strength is, true might, true power. It's the ability 
by God's grace, as we'll talk about in just a minute, to control our own self in our relationships with other people. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Uh, back to Dan Crenshaw and his story. One day he was walking from his office to the Capitol because a vote was going to take place. And as a one-eyed veteran, as a Navy SEAL who lost his eye in an explosive device in Afghanistan, he only has vision to a certain part of his body. And uh, he came out of his office and there were three, four guys one day meeting him there. And they got angrier and angrier and angrier shouting for some position they wanted him to be against. And, um, and they surrounded him. One guy started to get around him on his blind side. And he turned to them all and he said, you have got to calm down. Many respects, what our culture needs in this outrage culture that we see going on around us is people who understand that they have to control themselves so that they can then be a positive influence in helping others to calm down for the good of everyone else. Proverbs 19.11, a man's discretion makes him slow to anger and it is, glory. it is to his glory to overlook a transgression. Ah, this is great. We spent a lot of time on this. We don't have a lot of time, but this is so important. We are so easily offended. It is to your glory if you could take the offense that you experienced and, and bring that to the Lord and give it up. Now, if you can work out a relationship, work it out. You can say, hey, that was offensive. Can we talk? And sometimes we need to do that quicker rather than later. Rather than lashing out, we need to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we talk about that right now? I was in an elder meeting years ago and that happened. We were getting kind of heated and one of my, my brothers said some stuff that was pretty harsh. I just said, time out. We're all on the same page. We're all in the same family. Let's work this out in a better way. And so uh, it's so important. Sometimes you just let it go. Sometimes you can work it out soon, uh, sooner than later. But how important it is. Listen, we can look at scripture after scripture after scripture. Proverbs 24, 28, 29 tells us that we need to be non-revengeful. That's what this text is basically saying. But Proverbs 21, 9 and 19 says there are contentious women. Uh, Proverbs 26, 21 says there are contentious men. We can all be angry and contentious. As a pastor, I've met it all. Anger-driven men and anger-driven women. Anger is not gender-specific. It is gender-prolific. We all have it. And the gospel wants to transform it. So let's spend the rest of our time, uh, and I don't have that much time, but I want to unpack how the gospel then begins to deal with that 100% problem that we all have in the area of anger. Let's take a look. First of all, as we talk about the healing of destructive anger, we want to go back to Colossians chapter 3. I don't have this uh, uh, written out for you on the PowerPoint, but uh, open your Bibles and there it is. Proverbs 3 verse 1 said, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Healing from destructive anger is more than psychological self-help training. This is gospel transformation. 
and transformation that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when the apostle Paul says, therefore, if you've been raised with Christ, he's saying really, since you've been raised up with Christ, if you're a believer, you have accepted Jesus Christ as your savior and as your master. There's nothing you can add to your salvation, nothing I can add to my salvation to make God accept us. That's the, the beauty of Christianity. It's not trying to impress God with ourselves, it's being impressed with what God has done for us. And so in the gospel it says that we have been justified by faith, so when we accept Christ as Savior and Lord, we are declared not guilty for our sins. We are, we are justified. God's not angry at us. And that leads to adoption in, as sons and daughters. We are united with Christ. He's not angry at us. And in a very real sense, we are united with everything that Christ has done. And so we are in union with him. And the gospel then has a transformative effect on our total person, including our anger. We're daughters and sons. That's our new identity in Jesus Christ, deeply beloved, redeemed sons and daughters of the Most High God. And when we understand that, when we understand that we have been raised up with Christ, we take this idea of Paul that he brings out more clearly in Romans 6, and you can read that later to do. What else are you going to do today? Uh, you can read Romans 6, and he says, what shall we say? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. Meganoita, a double negative. No, no, he says. We who have died with Christ shall also live with him. Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's what helped me. It's what my college pastor said. Alan said, you got to go memorize Romans 6 to deal with your anger. When I told him that on the way to a Bible study, I had honked my horn in anger and done something a Christian shouldn't do outside the window when uh, somebody cut me off in traffic. He said, memorize Romans 6. Ah, this is what the gospel does. It energizes the transformation in our character. And anger is one of those major areas. I could finally say, hey, wait a minute. Because of the gospel, I am free from anger ruling me. I am not a slave to sin anymore. In Christ, I've been raised. I am now free to overcome anger in my life. And you are too. And it really, really is so important to understand how the gospel frees us from the control of sin. Now, that's good for those of you who understand you've got anger. What about those of you who have a little bit more difficult time recognizing that you're angry? Some of us, we couldn't hide it. Others pointed it out. Others said, why are you so angry? I said, I'm not angry. I'm just trying to explain myself. But some of you are more mild, and some of you cringe when you think of yourself as an angry person. How do you get to the point where you can actually say, yeah, I have got deep anger in my life? Well, we go back again to the gospel of grace. Because grace will then lead you to understand that God loves you not because of how good you are, but because of how good Jesus was and is and in his death, burial, and resurrection. And you can say, God loves me even though I still have anger issues, even though I still am passive-aggressive, or even though I'm aggressive-aggressive. 
He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Grace enables you to understand your standing and your identity in Christ so that you can actually look at yourself and be honest and say, I, I, I've been hurt. I'm angry. I get angry easy. Sometimes I yell. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I cry. Sometimes I pout. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive. God, help me. Help me to deal with this and face myself. Grace is the answer toward coming to understand that he's not mad at you and you can actually face your hurt and anger that you have. Well, the healing of anger moves ahead for all of us when we learn also to cultivate the resources that we have in the gospel, the power of the gospel. And when we frankly work at it, here's the relationship between justification and grace and sanctification, that, that the gospel provides all of this freedom, all of this power to become what he wants us to be, including dealing with our anger and healing our anger from within. But we also have to work at it. And so that's why Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 12, so as those who've been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. Put it on. Put on a heart of compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another. Boy, that takes time. That takes work. And then he says it again. Beyond all these things, put on love. Now that's not a suggestion. It's a command. Put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Meditate on that text, and it will help you as it helps me to deal with the what can I do now to actively put on Christ and take off the anger and so these, this is how we deal with our anger. This is how healing takes place. First of all, by understanding the incredible resources we have in the gospel. We're free. We don't have to be angry people anymore or defined by anger. And secondly, we can accept and face our, 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 ourselves authentically because we're loved deeply and there's no, nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We can face our anger, and then we can take this challenge for all of us to do the work of, of what Paul is teaching us in Colossians, to put on love, to put on a heart of compassion and kindness and gentleness. Oh my goodness, I want to be this way, don't you? And students, I say to you again, you are a whole lot of the future. Some of us are not a whole lot of the future, but you are. And what a great opportunity you have to affect our culture. Orangewood, God has put you here uh, at the right time for the opportunity to spread his gospel in this incredible city. What a, a, a perfect time it is for us to be the measured, godly, kind, not anger-driven, but love-driven men and women in a city that desperately needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of person are you? I don't want to be a man who owns and operates a ferocious temper. 
I want to be owned and operated by a gracious Lord. I know you do too. You take it to heart and let's pray. Our great God, thank you for the opportunity to look into your word, to find in your word the wisdom and the skill that we need for how to live in a godly way in a world that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I thank you for Orangewood. I thank you for Pastor Tyler. I thank you for this, this church and all those who are listening today. May you use all of us to bring the gospel of grace to those who want the freedom and the joy and the happiness that only the gospel can bring. For we pray these things in the strong name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.